Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. So with that, we are going to go back into the series for the Holy Spirit. And this is week number five of five. So um, the first four weeks, we have covered things as if uh, the Holy Spirit, he's a person. He's a third person in the triune God. His, uh, his role in our lives, he reveals Jesus to us. He sanctifies us. He leads us. He guides us. And he gives us this gifting as we grow. He he, he allows us to communicate to God through our worship, through our prayer, and be able to hear from God. And, um, and also, we talked about the, the different gifting that he has. We talked about how we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in terms of being able to hear from God and do the things that he has called us to do. Jesus said, you will do greater things. And in order to do greater things, we need the Holy Spirit. So, um, so I just want to uh, do a quick review on that and the, the nine gifts that we have been going through is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, we talked about the, the revelation gifts, which were the three gifts in the gift of wisdom, which is uh, to get a glimpse of the future, something that we would not have known otherwise. That's the gift of wisdom. The gift of knowledge is getting a glimpse of the present, of something is happening right now that we would not have known otherwise. And the gift of discernment, which is getting a glimpse of someone's motive or the, a glimpse of someone else's spirit or get a glimpse of, of uh, whether that person is suited for a certain ministry or not certain ministry. So the gift of discernment also to allow us to put people, us as a church, to put people in places where they can excel or maybe to, to put them into a different place so they wouldn't struggle otherwise. Uh, so those are the three gifts in terms of the revelation gift. Uh, the next three are the power gifts, which we talked about last week, is the gift of faith. So the gift of faith is just not a normal faith or a saving faith, but it's an incredible gift of faith where you trust in, in something and then miracles will happen. Uh, as in, I use the example of um, Peter and John walking to the gate beautiful, and they say, in the name of gold, silver or gold, I don't have, but in the name of Jesus, Get up and walk. That's a gift of faith. Having faith of something impossible will happen. Uh, we talked about the gift of healing. Uh, healing in terms of plural. This is the only gift where it comes in a plural form from the standpoint of healing spiritually. Uh, for those who uh, uh, have casting out demons. I'm trying to use the right term here because I know we have kids here. And, uh, the, you know, physical, physical illness in terms of the, the deaf can hear, the blind can see, the lame can walk, and also resurrection of, of bringing back the dead in the name of Jesus. And we talked about the gift of, of miracles. Miracles are, are gifts that the laws of nature have been altered or suspended, that, that science cannot explain, as in when Jesus uh, told a fig tree to die, uh, that's a gift of uh, miracles, miraculous power, or even the simple things that we all know, which everyone thinks is a theory. It's like the Big Bang Theory. It's a miracle in itself in terms of something that happened that the laws of, of physics or nature cannot explain. So those are the six gifts. 
And today, we will talk about the three remaining spiritual gifts, uh, specifically from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They are in the category of inspiration gifts. So these are the inspiration, as in the gift of prophecy. Uh, it's going to be a little bit controversial. The gift of tongues, uh, various kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. So also at the end, I want to use the last, and I, let, I want to encourage you guys now, because at the end, I want to use the last 10 minutes. I'm going to turn off the recording. I want us to activate some of these gifting within the body. Uh, to, because we've talked it through from the standpoint what they are. And it's very simple to use them. Because I've been, I have been saying this all along. Is we all have access to these 12 gifts. Some may have uh, more gifted, more anointed than others. It's almost like jumping, right? Some can have uh, a 40-inch vertical. Some may have like a one-inch vertical, but we can all jump, right? We can all jump, right? Is, is there anyone in here that can't jump? Okay. Well, Blake, I know you can jump. Um, so, so it's for us to trust in God and step out. So I want to give, give you guys a little heads up. I want to encourage people to step out and have courage because uh, courage meaning stepping, stressing out outside of our boundary, of our comfort zone. But at the same time, we are a family, this is where we grow. This is where we learn together. This is when we mature together and, and encourage one another. So keep that in mind. So, um, all right, so the inspiration gift. Uh, so, so start hearing from God of, of what God wants to, uh, to share with you to encourage one another. Uh, so gift, again, as I said, the gifts were given to us. We either we accept it or we reject it. Right? We can't earn those giftings. So if we want it, all we have to do is accept the gifting that comes from God. Uh, inspiration gift, prophecy. So these are the, I, I will start out with prophecy first. These gifts are not the kinds that change the world around us. They are for the benefits of the church. However, I, before I talked about uh, specific gifting and what they are, I want to briefly remind us again, as I have been for the last two weeks, the prerequisite. Because it's so important for us to remember the prerequisite before we exercise and uh, activate this gifting. Is we need to know that uh, the, the four things that I've been saying for the last four weeks is, number one, these gifts need to be operated in an orderly fashion. Orderly. Because our God is not a God of disorder. And we talked about that. Uh, we talked about we have control over so, so we can't just say, well, you know, the, the Holy Spirit was upon me. It was so strong that I blurt things out and I start saying things and I just run around the room, which is there may be some truth to that. But biblically, it said we have control over the outworking of these gifting. It's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, uh, 14, verse 32. So orderly control and these gifts have to always, always build up the church. It must be building up the church and to point people to Jesus. Always have to point people to Jesus. Not even to a particular church or a particular person, a particular ministry. It has to always point people to Jesus. And when you build up the church and point people to Jesus, we don't take the credit. We don't get the credit. But that the good thing is we don't get the blame either, right? So point people to Jesus. It's 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26. It's not a platform for us. And... Number four, so orderly, control, and build up the church, point people to Jesus. And lastly, number four is do this from a place of love. Not the love that we have learned, not the love that we grew up in, not the, not the love that, you know, because some people may have tough love, right? Some people may have the kind of love where 
if you love me, you will give me what I want. The love, not those kind of love, not the human love, but the love of God. So until we actually know and experience the love of God, it's difficult for us to speak from a place of love because the love of God transcends understanding. So it's regardless of where you grew up, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your background, regardless if you came from a tough family or a nice family, we all understand the love of God. And that's where this gifting needs to come from, from that place. So uh, again, as a reminder, inspiration gifts, they're for the benefits of the church. And because these gifts are for the church, I believe God wants a church to be strong and vibrant and, and, and mature in these matters, right? Paul started out in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, is now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So we are, we need to be informed of these gifting uh, in order to help us to be alive and vibrant. So, okay, the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is very important as it is referred to 22 times just between 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 11 to 14. So 11, 12, 13, 14, four chapters. It was referred to 22 times. What it is not is it is not foretelling the future. It's kind of contradictory, right? The gift of prophecy is not to foretell the future. God specifically limits this gift to three beautiful exercises. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for the strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. That's the NIV version. So that's what it's for. It's not the same as the person who holds the office of the prophet. We see that in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 8 and 12, right? You, you got the apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist. So those are the people who hold the office of those, uh, those gifting. So it's not the same as prophets. The gift of prophecy in the New Testament is not the same as the Old Testament prophet, right? The Old Testament prophets, sometimes they, they give a glimpse of the future. We talked about this um, a couple weeks ago. So the office of the prophet has the gift of wisdom that can have a glimpse of the future. I saw Daniel would be able to foresee the, the coming empires. Uh, an example would be, uh, again, the gift of prophecy is to build up and strengthen the church. Acts chapter 21, verse 9, where uh, it said, Philip had four daughters who prophesied. They had the ministry of edifying the church. They, don't, they, they were not predicting the future. They had the ministry of edifying the church and strengthening and building up the church. So the gift of prophecy is not to be used for guidance. Guidance is not edification, strengthening, or comfort. So it's not to be used for preaching even. Because preaching is proclaiming the good news, right? Proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So prophecy is a supernatural utterance from a person who was anointed to speak the treasures of God to the body of Christ. Let me say that again. Prophecy is, the gift of prophecy is a supernatural utterance of an, uh, from a person who is anointed to speak the treasure of God to the body of Christ. Uh, the gift of prophecy is not to be used for rebuke. It is not. There should not be any element of rebuking in the gift of prophecy. It should always be encouraging, right? Do you feel good when you get rebuke? I mean, I don't. I've been rebuked before, and it does not feel good. So it's not for rebuking. It's the gift of prophecy is always for encouragement. Correction and rebuking, um, correction 
should not come from the gift of prophecy. Correction should come from preaching the word of God and preaching the doctrine that we see in Scripture. When Paul dealt with excesses, you know, people that were spending too much time and money and, and you know what I mean, excesses. Or, or Paul was dealing with complacency or when he was dealing with correction, he was addressing those things as a teacher, as a pastor, and as an apostle. He never addressed those things through the gift of prophecy. Uh, as we can see in Revelation chapter 3, that's an example of a correction according to doctrine. Right? In Revelation chapter 3, God said, I would rather you be hot or cold. But since you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's amazing, isn't it? So, so hopefully, uh, I don't mean to rebuke anyone, but if we hear that from doctrine, that God is giving us a correction. Hot or cold, don't be lukewarm. Don't be complacent because God despised that. This, God hated that. Well, what's, what's, God will spit you. He will spit us out of his mouth if we are lukewarm, if we are complacent. So either hot or cold, pick one. So anyway, uh, I just want to say that it's not to be used for rebuke. It's not to be used for criticism. It's not about an opinion of one person against another. It is meant, as I said, to lift other people up, right? To lift people up from a place of depression, uh, of negligence, or lukewarmness, right? It's to lift people up and put that person back onto the path or the calling of God. Because these are for the benefits of the church, Right, those are the three things that the prophecy, the gift of prophecy is for. Number one is edifying, is to build up. That's what it means. The word edify is the root of this word means to erect, to strengthen, or to build up. So it is the same thing as to remove fear, right? To remove regrets. Because when someone is, is living in fear, uh, maybe physically, but also definitely spiritually, it's always like cowering. Right? Walking around in fear, cowering down, have anxiety, have regret, always feeling bad. So when you speak the gift of prophecy, you strengthen that person up. You erect that person. You allow them to walk straight and be secure in who they are. And, and, and both spiritually, but when you do that spiritually, physically, your body will follow. And you will know that you are meant to be called for the things that God has. And we're meant to be sons and daughters. So that's edifying. Right? To strengthen someone while they're feeling weak or, or feeling down. Exhortation is encouragement. It should always be encouragement. Only the devil speaks of discouragement. Keep that in mind. If we speak of discouragement to other people, we are allowing someone else to speak through us. Because God will always speak of encouragement. Because God, God wants us to encourage us so we can be strengthened, right? We can step into the more of God has for us, to step outside of our boundary, to grow and to mature. That's what God is encouraging us to do. Step outside of, and, and not be complacent. That's a big thing, not to be complacent. Um, and and as, as, we, as, as we're being encouraged and as we're living up to more of what God has for us, we will become more holy, more righteous, right? More mature, Christians, from the standpoint of living, be okay and be secure in living separately and differently than all the people around us. It should mean living foolishly, but living according to the kingdom of God, the things uh, that God has called us to live, and knowing that we don't belong here. We belong to the kingdom of God. This is just a temporary place. We have an eternal perspective for where we're going and what we belong to and who we are as sons and daughters. 
of the King Most High. So this gift is needed not only for the church, as you can see, right, edifying, exhortation, and comfort, because we all needed to be built up. We all needed to be strengthened. It's needed for the church, but also for those who visit the church, because a lot of time people go to church because why? They're searching for something, right? Or they're in distress, or they are, uh, they're, they're losing hope, or they have anxiety, or they have depression. Areas that lead to death. So when they come to church, we should be functioning in an area, the gift of prophecy, where we lead people to life, help people strengthen and rise up and be built up. I just read a little statistic that I want to share with you guys in terms of what's going on. And uh, I read an article in USA Today, USA Today, uh, a couple weeks ago, January 30th, 2021. The suicide rate has increased 35%. And I know we have some uh, social worker here. We have some uh, first responders, so I'm sure it's not a surprise to you guys. The suicide rate has increased 35% from 1999 to 2018. That's ridiculous, isn't it? We have advanced so far technologically. We have advanced so far in like, medical technology. However, fear, hopelessness, regret, anxiety, depression are still there. No technological advancement can address that. Only Jesus can address that. So that's why it's important for us to make sure the gift of prophecy is overflowing and functioning so as people come to church into the presence of God, they will be uplifted even before we even speak a word to them. In 2017, I was, actually I was really sad when I read this. In 2017, 10 0.6 million um, in the same article. 10.6 million American adults seriously thought about suicide. Isn't that amazing? That's so sad. 3.2 million actually made a plan to go through with it. 1.4 million people attempted suicide. So the, the world, the people around us need this gift of prophecy. They need for the Spirit of God to come through us and speak life into them, to edify them, to exalt them, to encourage them, to build them up and point them to Jesus so they can draw life from him. It's not about us. We don't have anything to give to people. We got to draw from Jesus, hear the Holy Spirit, allow the gift of prophecy to speak through us into those around us because God wants us to partner with him. So listen to him. So therefore, we must make sure the gift of prophecy Comfort, edifying exhortations flows abundantly within the church, within our family, within our daily lives. So this is so when people come to church or come into the, uh, our, the presence of, of us individually, when they're feeling depressed or feeling down or suffering or, or broken, they will be lifted up through the supernatural thing that can only come from God. It's not because we're optimistic people. I mean, I may seem optimistic, well, maybe I am a little bit, but I want to be known as someone who loves God, who lives for God, and I know that that's who we are. We have a genuine relationship, authentic relationship with Jesus. We want to see people experience that and know that for themselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. So, just look at, you know, I, I know Paul wrote uh, this in 1 Corinthians, but 
when we look at scriptures, look at it as God is speaking to us, right? That's how I look at it, right? We look at it as scriptures speaking directly to us. So God is telling us, I would rather have you prophesize. So number one, make sure we activate the gift of the prophecy within ourselves. And number two, within the church, God is saying, I would rather have you prophesize. So if we don't do it, that means we're not obeying him. That's a little correction, right? That's from scriptures. That was not part of the gift of prophecy. So this gift of prophecy in terms of encouraging and uplifting should be evident in every time we pray. Every corporate prayer when we gather together. Every church gathering, whether it's Bible study or a small group or connect group or even like when we get together for dinner. We should always try to encourage and edify and build one another up. We can do this through the constant praises of God, right? So uh, the way I look at it is I always, my, I'm very simple. Right? I always want to refer back to the talk to talk and walk to walk, right? When we praise God, that's how we talk to talk. And when we have sincere fellowship with one another, that's when we walk the walk. And what, sincere fellowship with one another, truly loving one another with the love of God and speaking life and encouragement to one another. So, to sum it all up, the gift of prophecy was given to strengthen and build up the church. It is available to everyone within the church. Just keep that in mind. Not just a few elite Christians. I don't know who they are. Point them out to me when you see them because I don't think there's such a thing. So um, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Follow, I, I know uh, I have said this before, but follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So we have to eagerly desire all the gifts, right? especially prophecy. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So there's a reminder again for us to desire especially prophecy. So let's eagerly desire this gift and exercise this gift of prophecy among ourselves every day. Okay, so this is how we also create a culture of honor among the church and our daily lives. And when there's a culture of honor that's how we will grow. That's how we will be strengthened. That's how our fellowship will strengthen and will, will grow stronger as one another. And, and nothing can come between us, right? Because we know that we're lifting one another up. And there's no gossip. There's no disagreement. So, okay, I don't want to go off on a tangent. Okay, the next three, two gifts. The next inspiration gift is different kinds of tongues or various kinds of tongues. Depends on which uh, translation you're reading. This is probably the most misunderstood and controversial spiritual gift. Misunderstood from the standpoint to understand what it is, what this means, and what it is for. And uh, controversial as in, I've seen this, as in some people feel the more they speak in tongues or the louder they speak in, in tongues, the more spiritual they are, like the more holy they are. It has nothing to do with that. If I can say, um, go back to the translation of tongue. Tongue, if you go to the root word, it means a language. Tongue, tongue means language or dialect used by a particular people distinct from that of other nations. So it's a unique dialect. It's a spiritual language that we speak with God and with one another. People of different languages can suddenly understand what's going on. Uh, you know, example, we see that from Acts chapter 2, verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And it is a language that comes from the Holy Spirit that resides within us. 
It said, for anyone who speaks in tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Because God is spirit, right? When we worship in the spirit, we worship in the language that he can understand. And everyone can and should try to pray in our spiritual language with God. It does sound intimidating. I'll, I'll be honest, the very first uh, several years of my Christian life, like tongues was, was out there for me. But it's a spiritual language that we have with God, between us and God. It's not about trying to impress anyone else. We should allow the Holy Spirit to lift us up and worship him and uh, praise him. The best way to describe different kinds of tongues would be, as I said, spiritual language. Think of it as a spiritual language. And the illustration is, uh, it is the same as, uh, I think it has happened to me a lot. So hopefully it has happened to all of you. It's sometimes when you want to say something in your mind, but it, you just kind of like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you, 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 you're like mumbling or you're jumbling. You can't really make sounds of the words you're trying to say. Your mind knows what you're trying to say, but your word can't form the correct word, correct sound. That's kind of like what it is. So it's like a different kind of tongues. That's what it's like. It's a different kind of language. So our spirit, when we allow the Holy Spirit who resides within us, the infilling of the Holy Spirit to bypass our minds so we are not able to form the correct words. It's like we love, love God, I love you so much. You, you just can't even say what you're trying to say because you're bypassing your mind and you're crying out to God as you're praising him. And sometimes you speak to people. I feel like, and I know we have a few bilingual people, I feel like it's easier for me as a bilingual to understand what this really means. Because Vietnamese is my first language, and I know this. In time of stress, I will always revert back to Vietnamese, even though I don't speak it. I've been here for 36 years. I can count so much faster in Vietnamese. And I actually read this uh, back in World War II, the Japanese uh, and Germans, when they capture American soldiers, because America would have people from Germany, we have people from Japan, and they wanted to know whether you're Japanese or you're American. They will torture you, put you under duress for a long time, and they make you count really fast. They will know, if you count in, a, in English, you're American. If you count in Japanese, you're Japanese. So that's why I, I, I kind of understand what this is and, and go back to the spiritual language. Think of it as a spiritual language that has been lying dormant. Did I say that right? Dormant. So as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, our spirit will be activating. The Holy Spirit activating the original language that we spoke with God from the very beginning. Because Adam and Eve spoke to God, right? They spoke to God in the beginning. They communicated to God. So not the, not the language that our minds have learned through the years. Because as we learn through the years, or you get corrections of how to say you know, he, she, it, you know, I still get corrected all the time. How do you actually learn English anyway? It's ridiculous the way that you guys, um, well, sorry, I didn't mean to go off. So we so all speak, um, <laughs> that was my, uh, my own personal insecurity, sorry, that came through. Uh, but, but anyway, so it's going back to the original language that we have with, with God. That's, that helped me understand as the Holy Spirit will come and activate something that's been dormant within us and, and, uh, and take out that bypass our minds, because our spiritual language would sound gibberish, right? Our mind can't translate it, but our heart is speaking to God through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Our, God wants to take our minds out of the equation. When we praise him, when we speak to him, it has nothing to do with how much we've learned or how much we know. It's all about our love for him. 
which comes from our heart. Now, don't get me wrong. We want and need to use our minds when we make decisions, when we decide on what to do, when we decide on where to go. We do need to use our minds, so don't think that I'm trying to say don't use our minds. It needs to come from our heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Right? It's the same thing with we have love for someone. We have seen example, and we have done it ourselves, I think we all have, of, of people who do amazing, incredible, and stupid things for the person that you love, right? You've probably seen movies of, of someone uh, have to go through 20,000 impossible obstacles for the person that they love. If you look at it, it's like, well, you're an idiot. Why are you going to go through all that stuff for one person? It, because it's from the heart, you can't explain it. But if, if it's from your mind, if you can rationalize love with your mind, that person probably would not go through all those impossible challenges and tasks to get to the person that they love, right? They would probably would say, if I was them, I'm putting myself in that situation, I would say, well, maybe I can love someone else. That's much easier because your mind will rationalize and recognize, well, that's too dangerous. I could die. So maybe that person's not worth it. Maybe I can go somewhere else. But with your heart, your mind is out of the equation. You don't care about the dangers. You don't care about all the, the crazy things that you do. You know, I'll admit it. I used to drive six hours each way just to go visit Vanessa. When we were doing, I can tell you in my mind, I was like, that's dumb. Why would you do something like that? Many people have told me that. I was like, I don't know. I can't explain it to you. So, so when we take our minds out of the equation, you can understand what God is looking for. The Holy Spirit is trying to get us to speak from the place of our heart. We cannot rationalize with our minds. So that's why the spiritual language is all from the heart. It has to start with the heart. It is not, if I can remind us again, it is not believe with your mind that Jesus is our God and Savior. Romans 10, 9, what it is. Believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. Not believe with your mind. Believe with your heart that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. That's what Jesus wants to speak to, is speak to our heart. So when, and also when God gave his commands and his decrees and his law to the Israelites through Moses in um, Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, it, start, it started with the heart. Right? Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, See, your mind doesn't really come into play there. When it comes specifically to praying to God, let the Holy Spirit lead us. That's what it means. Speak from the heart and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and, and ask for the things that we're praying for. So spiritual language. If, if tongues is controversial, use the term spiritual language because it speaks from the heart and it's through the leading of the Holy Spirit. All right, so the next and last inspirational gift is the interpretation of, of tongues, interpretation of spiritual language. This is much easier to understand. It must function when there's a different gifting of the uh, different kinds of tongues. These two must go hand in hand. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 27 and 28. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three. So there shouldn't be more than three people speaking in tongues at one time, like ever, period. At one time, someone must interpret. Not maybe someone should interpret. Someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So 
I mean, I don't think we need a theological degree to know that if there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet. As in, sit down and keep quiet and talk to yourself and talk to God. So you, there's no functioning of the different kinds of tongues within the church unless there's an interpretation gifting also existing. Otherwise, it's very confusing. This sounds like gibberish, and that's why I go back to what's misunderstanding and, and controversial because there's so many people just start saying, I'm speaking in tongues, but there's no interpretation. And at most, three to speak in tongues at one time, right? So if something else is happening, it's not biblical. All right, so this is, uh, so the interpretation, this is not the same as translation. I just want to touch briefly on this. Translation is, is rendering from one language to another in an exact grammatical term. Interpretation reveals what God wants us to know or to see. It can be through many different things, right? Some people may, may see or, or, or understand things from a picture or from an image, right? Some may, may uh, see things from like a, a, a movie or a, a song or a verse or a poem or just a, a word. So it's different for everybody. It's how we interpret it and how we can understand it. So it's not an exact translation. So that's what it means, interpretations. Uh, so wherever there's an operating gift of the spiritual dialect, if I can use that term, within a church meeting, there must, must also be an interpretation of spiritual dialect. So just so you know, I know we haven't had this. I'm hoping that we will down the road be able to do this in an orderly fashion. But if you feel like you, you have something from God and you have a spiritual language you want to speak out, all you have to do is ask. Is there anyone here with the gift of interpretation of tongues? If no one raised their hand, then what should we do? According to scriptures, if there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. If God wants something to come through, it will come through. Trust me. It will come through. So we are not going to be deterrent. We're not going to stop what God wants to, to do or to show our people. All right, so those are the three gifts. In conclusion, I'm going to bring this to a close, and I want to remind you guys, we're going to try to stand, spend 10 minutes, and I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous here also because I want to encourage all of us to step out and activate some of these gifting. Just think of it more like a practical use. Uh, think about the things that God has put on our hearts and our minds for the people around us, especially prophecy. Just think of the gift of prophecy, speaking life, speaking encouragement over people around us. So uh, as an encouragement, know the spiritual gifts because God doesn't want us to be unaware. It's that the weapons of our spiritual warfare against the enemy. It's our weapon. We need to know the weapons that we have, right? I, I know um, my kids, they love to play Call of Duty. I think some of us too. I love watching action movie. Do you want to go into battle not knowing what you have with you, not knowing what type of weapons that you have? Fighting against an enemy that is skill and that actually can take you out in two seconds. You want to know what you have, right? So that's what it is, to know the spiritual gifts, the weapons that, uh, against our spiritual warfare, the, weapon, the weapons that God has given to us. So um, most Christians like to refer to Ephesians chapter 6 about the full armor of God uh, as our weapon against our spiritual warfare, which is correct. At the same time, I believe the full armor of God also includes these nine spiritual gifts. Right? The belt of truth, it's about the revelation gift. As we know the truth, like we belong to God. We belong to the kingdom of God. Where are we going to go? We're going to be in heaven eternally. We have an eternal life. This is just a temporary place. 
um, like give a discernment. We know the motive of those who are around us, you know, good or bad. Uh, the breastplate of righteousness, just about the gift of prophecy. As you speak encouragement and remind people, hey, you are the son of God. Have faith. Trust in that. You are the son of God. Don't worry about what the enemy has for us. You want to raise your hand? You got a gift of prophecy you want to share? No? Okay. I was just kidding. I know you were stretching. Um, the uh, feet, uh, feet fitted with the gospel of peace. You know, understanding that we walk in on solid footing of faith in Jesus. That we're on solid ground through Jesus. Live in peace in terms of sharing the gospel. Like the shield of faith, the gift of faith, right? Our God is good. Faith, knowing that he is good, he always wants to take us to a better place. Regardless of what we see around us. Regardless of how we feel. The helmet of salvation, right? It's about miracles. Salvation is a miracle in itself. Because we can't do anything to save anybody. I think I've said that many times here, right? Jesus, he's the only one that can save. He, we have a role to play, but Jesus is the only one that can save. So that is a gift of miracles in itself. The sword of the spirit, the word of God. That's include scriptures. That's including these nine spiritual gifts. We can, the, the sword, as you know, I love action movies. I know you guys know that. It can be used for offensive and defensive, right? To defend ourselves, but also to attack. So know these nine gifting. Doesn't mean that we have to be crazy. Just know practically what they are, what scripture has to say, and trust that we will see this gifting operating. So it's a reminder again of all nine of these gifting are available to everyone, each and every one of us. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.